What is going on, soccer fans? And welcome to the number one soccer-specific podcast in Sacramento, the Sacktown FC podcast, an official partner with the California Storm and now sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Check them out at roughneckscarves.com and raise your game today. My name is Luis, and today I'm joined as usual by my co-host, John and Danny. How are you doing, guys? I'm doing good, man. The The weather is starting to, to warm back up. I'm excited to play some foot golf and, and regular golf here soon. So hopefully we can get that in uh, sooner rather than later before it gets hot. Do good too. Uh, weather's definitely beautiful on my, in my neck of the woods too. It's been a little cold the last couple of days, but starting to warm up again and starting to go outside more. The lakes are opening up. So yeah, life is good right now. So today we're joined by an important member of the local soccer community. He played at Sonoma State before joining the ranks in the coaching world where he's coached both collegiately and at the international level for the USA. He's now the technical director for San Juan Soccer Club and the owner of Off the Line Goalkeeper Academy. Joining us via the McCooney Dreamline is Arsenal fan Matt Bernard. Matt, how are things going for you today, man? Until um, the Arsenal introduction, I was, it was going well. It's, a painful, it's been a painful uh, 20 years, but other than that, it's great. So, Matt, life is good. No complaints. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Thanks for doing this for Sacramento. It's great. Oh, no worries. And, and remember, every blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, man. So hopefully <laughs> Arsenal will find that within the next five years. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to be Champions League bound, but they'll at least maybe have Europa League. And we yeah. know how that feels at Manchester. We've won it recently. <laughs> it's like king of the losers, man. It's like the second place league. Who cares, though? Yeah, the, the NIT of international soccer. The Carabao yeah. Cup of EPL. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We'll just take a trophy at this point. That's right. At this point, just give us a trophy for lovable <laughs> losers. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, you know, let, let's start with a question that we'd like to start out with a lot of interviews. But can you tell us more about how you fell in love with the beautiful game? Oh, man. Uh, okay. Uh, I grew up here in Sacramento. I started playing. Actually, I started playing because I was born with a heart condition and they told my parents I couldn't ever play sports. And so they figured put them in soccer. Um, so, which makes no sense almost 40 years later, but, uh, I started playing here. I started playing competitively at like nine years old, um, and played through a couple local clubs. Ultimately was at San Juan. And, and I think my, I loved playing soccer. I don't know that I was a soccer junkie until I went to Sonoma state. Um, and the, the environment there and coaching with the Zemer brothers from like 14 years old on was really what, um, hooked me in and uh yeah I, I can remember the conversation with my mom when I was 19 and, and going to college and she asked me what do you want to do and I said I want to be a soccer coach and I thought I killed my mom because she was so so sad uh <laughs> but you know it's uh, it's worked out okay so far I'm still surviving and I'm able to feed my family most nights so we're doing okay how did you end up getting to Sonoma State and what was that experience like Oof. Uh, my, my road to Sonoma state was not direct. Um, I actually got recruited to a number of schools other than Sonoma state. And I started actually at San Diego state. Um, so I went there as a freshman, uh, my, at the time ODP state team coach became the assistant there and brought a bunch of us from Northern California down there. Um, and long story short for life reasons and not to continue to to go down the path I was going in San Diego, it made sense to look elsewhere. And, and there were some other program issues. So uh, I mentioned the Zemer brothers beforehand. 
Um, Marcus Deemer is the head coach at Sonoma State. He's been there this fall, would have been his 30th year, um, for, but for the uh, notification yesterday that they won't be playing soccer in the fall. Um, but my dad reached out to him and said, hey, Matt's looking to get out. Uh, would you be interested? And he said, absolutely. So I went up there and Sonoma State was a small commuter school compared to what it is now. You know, we're talking uh, 1999 was when I would have gone there. And uh, I just, I needed a change. And he talked about the football they wanted to play and what they, what they were looking to do. And I just said, you know what, I'm in, let me out. Um, and I'll save you the couple of years that it took me to get eligible through the NCAA via, via transfer rules of my own um, stupidity. But I, I was there for the better part of two years before I ever stepped on the field to play the game. So after Sonoma, um, you got involved in coaching. Was that the next step? Obviously, you, you brought it up. But was that the next step? Or was having a longer career kind of the idea at the time? Yeah, so I was actually coaching all the way through. It was actually the way I paid for school. So, um, you know, I had... I had a little bit of scholarship money, but like when I say a little bit, I mean a little bit, like I couldn't buy um, a used Tercel still with what I made in scholarship money, if you will. Um, but I was able to coach. And so I always coached goalkeepers or teams from the time I was 18 or 19 and paid my rent and took student loans out. And so I was, I was in it from, from that point on. So I think my first team, I was 20. Um, and I, I, I did, I absolutely wanted to keep playing. I actually, um, missed my finals my senior year because I got invited to go in with the galaxy for a week and it was go to finals or go try to play. And that was not a question in my mind. And, you know, my, my parents at the time supported it and were mortified probably simultaneously. Um, I chased it for a while. I had a number of trials when there were, and there were only 10 MLS teams at that point. And there were probably 15 a league teams. It wasn't even the USL at that point. Um, and I finally got to the point where I think I was in Pennsylvania and I'd been in North Carolina, then Pennsylvania, then Seattle. And I was on trial with the Sounders. And I basically, after like four days, I still had teams that were waiting on me to come back. Um, this was back in the day at Sonoma County Alliance, which is now called North Coast FC. And I just told Brian Schmetzer, who's actually the Sounders coach now, he was the head coach then when they were in the A-League. And I said, hey, you know, if you see me being in the mix, I'm in, dude. I'll stick around for however long. If you don't, then I've got stuff that I can do. And I know that I can make a living coaching and probably have a more stable life. Uh, and he just, you know, he just said, Hey, look, we've got a local guy. You could be a good number two, but we got a guy who would have to pay for his housing. And so we're going that route. I said, all right. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the beginning of the end of my playing days. My body quickly gave up <laughs> not too long after that. So it was probably divine timing. So we know you, uh, were able to coach, uh, some uh, U.S. youth national um, teams. What was it like, you know, coaching the under 14 and 15s at the international level? Like, would you say that you miss it? Do you miss it at all? <laughs> Every day. Uh, yeah, we would talk about when we would come back from those from working with those guys. It was, uh, it was. I don't want to discount the kids we worked with here, but it was it was hard to come back from working with. Um, Tyler Adams and Nick Tatagui and Eric Lopez, who's the goalkeeper with the Galaxy, um, Jonathan Gonzalez, you know, working in an environment with Hugo Perez, who was the head coach, and Benjamin Zimmer, who was the assistant, and just being in a, you know, eight days or 10 days or an international trip of just football and being in a foreign country or being in an environment where literally all you were worried about was what's the next opponent or what are we working on tomorrow or what's the next session. 
And it, yeah, it was an, it was an incredible two and a half, three years that I'm grateful I got. Um, and I, obviously I miss working at that, at that level with that kind of player. Um, but I, you know, I love what I do every day and I, you know, you're just working with a different level of motivated player now. So my question for you, Matt, kind of off that is how does that, how, what's the difference between, you know, an ENCL club like San Juan and, and the international level or, or even those, those younger players, what is, what's the difference? I think um, if I look back at the group of guys that we have that I worked with on the national team, the ones that have been successful, you knew, or that are successful, you knew what their drive was. You knew what their mentality was. You knew, you could tell every single day they were, they were engaged. They were locked in. They wanted to be pros and they were willing to do whatever they had to do. A number of them moved to Germany at a young age. Jonathan Gonzalez moved to Mexico without his family from Santa Rosa at a young age. Um, and I think that was, they were so, so driven and focused on it. It was clear. I think our players here, um, their pathway for the most of them in, in San Juan and at the local clubs are, are, are the college level. Um, and, you know, the occasional kid that you see that's um, probably professionally bound or, or definitely has those, those goals, we generally, especially on the boys' side, we try to push them to the Republic. You know, the kid, Rafa Hatigui, who's, who's there now, um, when I came back to San Juan, when I was working at the Republic and I came back to San Juan, I took over his team, the 04 team that I still coach now. And uh, I asked him, I said, Rafa, why are you here? Because you're a different level than, than a lot of these guys right now. I can just tell after watching him for one session. And not that the guys weren't good, but he was just in a different, he was on a different level and he was going to be. And he said, hey, uh, coach, well, the reason I'm here is because you cut me last year at the Republic. And I said, oh, <laughs> I said, and it was in a mass cattle call, 150 players that we missed the kid. And I said, all right, well, we screwed up. You got to go. Right. And I literally, it took some coaxing to get him out the door but once he was able to go in and see that environment, because I had just come from the Republic, I just said, Rafa, you need to be there. And now he's already is a, you know, what is he, 16 years old, and he's been playing games with the first team in preseason. It was in Seattle. I mean, he's, he's a kid that um, is special. So there are those kids around. They're absolutely here. There's just not as many of them as you get when you're working in a national team where it's, you know, guys from all over the country and all over the world that want to play for the U.S. So Matt, with the schedule um, demands and experience you have in the coaching world, what made you start your own goalkeeper academy? <laughs> um, I put it on paper ten years ago, probably like a loose skeleton of it, and said, "Hey, someday I want to do this." Um, I have a good buddy who played in the MLS, who work, who lives in Ohio. He's actually one of the goalkeeper coaches with the crew, uh, Columbus now. And he ran one in, uh, he runs a, a goalkeeper academy similarly in Ohio. And he does it more during the winter when it's miserable weather. And I ran into him at the convention a few years ago and he sat down and said, Matt, you have to do this. And so we sat down and talked through it and kind of went through his business plan. And I just said, okay, let me think about it. And so when I, so there's always been in Sacramento, having grown up here, there's always been a shortage of goalkeeper coaches. That's a, there's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's only if you you could probably name most of them on one hand right now. Um, the only one that I can remember was uh, Super Mario for the Knights. He had a goalkeeper academy, and that was the only one I can remember yeah. growing up. And then he's then he's had all these restaurants. Uh, that was not most the house Waffle House or not Waffle Experience. He's got a, he had one in full, so he had a bunch of them because we used to run into him, my wife knows him. Great dude, 
Um, yeah, but when I was a kid, it was even there was a shortage. So when I when I kind of started the idea and started to go down that road, I said, okay, I know that there's a market out there for it. I know that there are people who want it, and we'll just build it out slowly. So we started. I started it probably really started probably 18 months ago. I set the business up three years ago, even when I was at the Republic, but I had a couple back surgeries that really um, <laughs> made it to where I couldn't be on my feet for you know a number of months. So. Um, we started really small purposefully and I didn't even promote it to our kids at San Juan purposefully because I didn't want it to be a San Juan thing. I wanted it to be open and be, um, agnostic from any club because there's kids out there and now it's grown to the point where we've actually added attacking players into it. So we have over the line scoring Academy and off the line goalkeeper Academy, and we can work together. Um, and I think we had in this one before it got shut down, we still have a few sessions left to finish. We had 50 kids, you know, over three different time frames and, different ages and levels, but it's been fun. It's been fun to see. And um, some people have been in since the beginning. Some people come in and out. It's an eight week commitment. And, um, you know, and, and the biggest thing for me is when, because I asked my parents growing up, no one ever gouged me from a price perspective. Nobody ever made us pay this incredible amount of money because we couldn't have done it when I was a kid. And so for me, keeping a price point that's um, reasonable, that people can afford, and that still provides a good environment and, and I can still make some money to put aside and invest back into the business or, or take my family on a trip or something. Um, that's really important to me because nobody ever, you know, really screwed us financially when it came to the game. So, so for your academy, what is the youngest age that you start off with training in case people are curious, like, Oh, I've got a, I've got a seven-year-old who wants to start playing goalie. What, what do we Yeah, what do we, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've got kids in there. I think I think the youngest guy we had last year, our girl, was eight. And we basically break them up into age groups. And so um, it was like eight to 11, 12 to 14, and then the 15s and older all trained together. Um, you know, and for me, it's one of those uh, people, like I think the youngest, the, young, the youngest kid who was in it, the parents said, hey, we're not sure. Do we want, do we want to make this financial commitment? I said, hey, come and check a session out. Bring them out. See if he can survive for an hour. Right. See if he wants. See if he enjoys it. And he wants to come back next week. And if he does, then fine. Then then sign up, and it's good to go. Um, but yeah, I mean that's for me. The way that we run the goalkeeper academy is, um, I'm not shooting bowls. You know, when Abby when Abby works with me, Abby's not serving bowls. The goalkeepers are doing the work because at the end of the day, I'm almost 40 years old. I can kick a ball only with my right foot where I want to most of the time, and I don't need to do it anymore. So we use the players as the people that are serving. Um, so they can continue to improve their striking of the ball and their and their overall technique. So. so with the development with the development academy for the United States now gone, MLS creating their own, along with Sacramento, the Republic jumping on board. We talked a little bit about this. What impact does that have on San Juan and most importantly the ENCL? What is that what is this looking like now? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think it's too early to tell at some level as to how much it will impact. I think what you had is you have um, 65 non-MLS clubs come in. I think they call them the elite clubs and then 30 MLS clubs, which includes the Republic. So it's more or less the, the people who were in the DA um, already. And they, I think they basically wanted that same environment and and similar setup i think the mls teams maybe wanted more of control over what they're doing which i get man they're, they're investing a lot of money into the game so they can do that piece 
I don't know that it impacts the ECNL boys side. The ECNL boys side is going to be brand new here this year anyway. In Northern California, there was, there's going to be 10 clubs. Um, I think you basically took the DA at some level and maybe put a different logo on it and different people running it. And I think they're going to, I think that they are going to, um, I hope, I hope they're going to be a little bit more flexible than what the Federation was with the DA. For example, um, if you were in the younger DA at U13, you couldn't play in PDP. You couldn't go on an ID2 trip. You couldn't go on an ID2 camp, couldn't do ODP. You couldn't play high school. And so I'm hopeful that, that, the MLS league or whatever they are going to end up calling it. Uh, I'm sure they'll find a sponsor for it at some point, but I, I'm hopeful that they will take some of the lessons from the past and not just recreate the same thing. Cause I don't think that there was a, that the marketplace necessarily wants that. Um, you know, I work for us club soccer too, right? So I work on the business side. That's my other, it's my third job. Um, don't, if my boss is listening, it's my first job. Um, but uh, I think that the growth of the ECNL, the growth of the DA, ultimately, if it makes the game better, it's great. You know, as long as we're not traveling all over God's green earth and driving and flying past good games, then I think it's a great thing. Um, if we're not, a, if we're, one thing that I think will be very good in one of my conversations I had with someone today is I think that the, like the Republic, for example, they're looking to play against more local competition. So they want to play us, you know, not just a one-off, but they want to be able to play and be a, re- um, a relevant entity at the youth level too. And it's good for them because then they can see the best players. And for us as a club, we have always promoted, I think we have, as of last year, when they did the count, we had 26 players from San Juan that we have pushed or have gone to the Republic Academy. And for us, that doesn't change. Um, if we have players that need to be outside of our environment because they're on that pro path or we can't provide what they need, we've always sent them and we'll continue to do so. So my question that, that kind of goes off of this is in terms of the net that we're casting, right? That was one of the problems that the development Academy had. It, it didn't have a wide range of, of netting to grab players in remote areas like Wyoming or Montana or Idaho. How do we make sure as a nation or even within academies that we don't miss those talents that, you know, we at one time missed. So in other words, how are we going to make sure this, this works? Um, it's interesting. I think the way that the Federation had it set up with having 10 full-time guys as their scouts, right. That were supposed to only go to the DA games. I mean, how many players are, we have a hundred thousand players in Northern California. You had one full-time person in Northern California, and those are just the players registered in the NorCal Premier League. Right. So now you talk about where the players ultimately are, that they're absolutely not within the net or in the Hispanic leagues are in the other ethnic leagues across the country that, that aren't being scouted. And so uh, until they, until the net gets cast or until the MLS clubs can go find those players and start to really kind of bring them in, I think we're going to continue to see um, a lot of potential missed players. Right? And, and candidly, like the Mexican clubs, you know, from FMF, they're coming in and they're taking on Mexican American kids as quickly as they can. And they should, they should, because those kids need to be, in an environment where they're pushed. And for me as a, as a American, it sucks for me to see Jonathan Gonzalez, a kid I've known since he was a little kid. Cause his dad was our, um, at when I played at some state, his dad was our landscape, our, our groundskeeper of the field. So I've known Jonathan since he was a baby. It sucks. He's playing for Mexico as a gringo. I can say that. And I'm so happy for him that he's doing it because it's what he, it's what was best for him. 
Um, but we can't continue to miss those players. Um, and there are more of them outside of organized football, be it ECNL, DA, MLS League. There are more of them that are being missed in Miami and Southern California and San Francisco. And, and until those markets get tapped and we can have a better idea on, the, on where those players are, we're, we're going to only be scratching the surface. That's my opinion. So, uh, Matt, last year we got that announcement that, you know, all of us Republic fans were hoping to get for, for a while. But, you know, we're joining MLS and we are set to, to join MLS in 2022. In your opinion, uh, what does this mean for the local soccer scene? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's what we all who grew up here wish we had when we were kids, right? Like to be able to play in front of your hometown um, to be able to be, to have first team players. To, I mean, it's what you see in all over the world, right? If you're a kid in Guadalajara, you want to be one of two clubs. If you're a kid in, in Amsterdam, you want to play at Ajax. If you're a kid in Manchester, you've got two options. Um, and so for, I think our kids here to have that actual ability and then have a pathway to get there is incredible. You know, this is a football town. It's a football town. There are more people that love this game here Um, and you know, I, I worked for the Republic for a couple of years with the youth and it was a great experience. And I really enjoyed the people that I worked with. Many of them aren't there now because obviously that's football. Um, but I, I hope that it's, um, kind of the, the light at the end of the tunnel and for the kids, the Rafa's, the kids in the, in the community here that want to be pros, that they look at it and see that it's a viable option for them. Um, you know, and obviously the Republic are, they're not, they've said it. Well, I don't know if they've said it publicly, but they said it when I worked there. They're not going to go out and spend a ton of money on designated players. That's not what they want to do. They want to develop players. So to sign a Mario Panegos and a Hayden Sargis and some of these young guys that have been in the academy since they were 14 that I've known since they were 13 years old and seen develop through it, it's awesome because that's the future of the game for us. You know? Well, well think about the names that, that have come out of Sacramento, at least from when you and I were growing up. Um, you know, you had the Johnny Owls, you had, you know, the DJ Calendis, Kevin Goldwiss. Like you had we we um uh, we had some really solid players and nobody really ever looked at them as as good as they were, you know, never gave them a chance, it seemed like. Yeah, there were more pros coming out. Like I look back at that generation. Steve Cronin, Sasha Victorine, uh, Lee Morrison. Uh, I mean, you go down that list and the, of the guys that are the kind of high school graduates in the mid to late 90s. There were Kevin, Kevin Goldthwaite. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of pros that came out of here. So there's obviously something been going on in Sacramento for a long time. Um, you know, so I think that there's, um, there's more to be had here. I think, you know, one thing that we've, that we've said to the Republic candidly is, they they need to get out into some of these communities where there are where there are players that aren't seen, where there are players that aren't playing at San Juan, that aren't playing at uh, Plaster or the other big established clubs that ultimately maybe have long term potential and and have football in their blood and need to be in a better environment. Like cast that net wide and go find them. Um, you know, and, and for us, like we're always going to push our guys, but I think that's that's their next big challenge. Because even when I was there, when I worked there, it was a struggle. It was a struggle to get the best players in because they, you're commuting Delk Grove or there's just, there's different things um, that, that there were challenges, but I, I'm hopeful that that will, that will change and they'll be able to put more resources towards it. I think they're committed to that. 
um, you know, and that'll be a positive, I think for sure. Silly question. Why did you ever become an Arsenal fan? <laughs> um, ironically, when I moved to San Juan at 12 years old, I think my team uh, was San Juan, whatever they were. And when I, I remember sitting in a team meeting in a round table, cause that's where you used to have team meetings, not in fancy building. Uh, and they said, Hey, we need to, you know, we need to come up with a new team name. And everybody said, all right, let's go. And so people started rattling off names. Well, uh, being honest, the only international football I had watched at that age was the Dutch league that was on ESPN two at 4 a.m. that my dad and I would fall asleep in the living room on Friday night so we could wake up Saturday morning to watch it. And I didn't know who Arsenal was. But one of the guys sitting next to me nudged me and said, hey, we want to be the Arsenal, so go for it. So that was my first um, my first education on what Arsenal was. And then, you know, unfortunately, I took the hook. And uh, I've been an Arsenal fan ever since. And I've been lucky enough to go over and see them play at Emirates. Uh, my wife and I went on our honeymoon. I actually saw them play, and they lost to United ironically. Um, but, you know, it was a great experience uh, to be able to go over there and see football there. That was your honeymoon? You made your wife go suffer a 8-2 well, loss? It was a 2-1 loss, I think. Uh, it was, it was around the 8-2 loss. Yeah, it was, well, it felt like 8-2. to two. But, uh, no, my wife, my wife coaches at the club as well. Um, and we did London and Paris, so we saw four games in 10 days. Uh, she's a Spurs fan. So as an Arsenal fan, I married a Spurs fan, ironically. Uh, we have on that trip, we bought matching or not matching, I guess we, we each bought robes. So I have a Arsenal bathrobe and she has a Spurs bathrobe. And whenever they play each other during the league, we sit on either end of the couch at 4am and who, you know, whoever wins or loses gets a little bit of bragging rights. Uh, but we saw Spurs, Everton, uh, PSG Ajax Champions League and Chelsea West Brom all in 10 days and then actually managed to see some of the countryside. So we, f- we fit in as much football as we can. I tried for a fifth game, but I got denied. A for effort. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't suck. It didn't suck for sure. That was a good, it was a good honeymoon. So. so Matt, back when we had Abby on the podcast, she refused to give us an embarrassing story during <laughs> Rapid Fire. Uh, could you give us one from her training? Oh, from her training? Oh man. I mean, Abby's had, I think Abby's had more, more balls come off the crossbar and hit her in the face than any player I've ever seen in a training session. So, uh, I think that's an easy one. I've known Abby since she was God, 14, maybe. Have so any of those gone in? Have any of those oh, gone in, in training in training? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take um, you. No, Abby's, dude, Abby's an incredible story. She's a great, she's a hard worker. She's awesome to have around. Um, and she's like the kid that you want to have everybody try to model after, right? Find me a game, find me a country. I'll move to Japan. I'll move to Israel. I'll go wherever I have boots. We'll travel. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful for her that there's something else that opens up for her because she's, she's just that driven. And, and candidly, she's playing the best football she's ever played. Like just to see what she's done over the last couple of years, it's incredible to see. It's it's part of the reason why it sucks that we don't have anything for that next level of kids coming out of college that we all end up in the workforce. And you see players, Chris Wondolowski's of the world, who get a chance to develop a little bit longer because they're a later bloomer. And all of a sudden, you know, you have these other crop of pros that we don't ever see anymore. I mean, how many yeah. players come out of Division One soccer or Division Two soccer? 
and never play again after their college career. I mean, the number's got to be, you know, probably 90% plus. I think Abby's work ethic is what separates her a lot of the way, because I mean, I was teasing her the other day. She ran 10 miles. I'm like, Oh, did you run five miles of that for me? She's like, (laughs) my legs are going to hate me tomorrow. And, and, but she puts in work, man, even as a goalkeeper, she's still trying to stay and maintain in case there's that opportunity and and it will come. I I know it. Um, But for her, it's, it's amazing. Like just the the amount of, and she's a super, super smart kid too. Right. So whatever she goes and does, she's going to be successful, whether it's she becomes a cop or an attorney or whatever. Like I know that's where she'll end up at some point, but uh, yeah, it was interesting when I think you were doing that interview with her and she has, she has all my gear. She has all, because all my gear has been sitting in storage. So I'm like, ab, take whatever you want, take it all. So she's got 30 balls and all the small goals. She's got everything she could ever need. So she can run herself through any session she wants. And if she didn't live so far away, I'd go out and kick balls at her, but she's on the other side of the world for me. I need a helicopter to get there. So. It's Lincoln. It's not that far, man. Take oh, eight. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm in Eldorado Hills. It would take me for, it would take me an hour to get there. And Back road. Like, I'll take you yeah, that long. And I'm just lazy. So. Exactly. Folsom, <laughs> Folsom Dam gets you right here, man. Yeah, that's a good point. A good point. All right, Matt. Well, it's time for our favorite segment of the show, Rapid Fire Time. So here's how it works, uh, Matt. So we're going to be asking you 10 questions. You won't know what the next question is until you answer it. We do allow uh, one question to be skipped and then, you know, uh, for you to answer it later on if you're still trying to think of an answer to it. Uh, but you can only skip completely two questions. All right. So Let's go. Rapid Fire is brought to you by New Glory Beer. Check them out online at newglorybeer.com for all their new specials, like their Three West Friends package or their family dinner specials. You can also follow them on social media at New Glory Brewery. All right, so starting with the first question, who is an up-and-coming player we will be hearing the name of soon at a higher level? Um, Brady Scott. If you, don't, if you don't know Brady Scott, he's currently playing in Germany, the kid from Petaluma, um, goalkeeper, and he's somebody that I think we will, he will be in the, in the full national team at some point. It's the crest, Plaster United or Spurs? Oh, I would I would roll around in a Spurs blanket before I ever put the Plaster United stuff back on. Love them all, but no chance, guys. Favorite soccer memory? Uh, winning a national championship my junior year of college at Sonoma State. Here's the question that Abby skipped. Your most embarrassing soccer moment? so soft why wouldn't she take this on uh i can say this now because it's 20 years later uh there was a, a a fan from another college heckling me uh calling me abusing me and at the end of a game i fired a ball into the stands ready to fight him and i almost took the head off of my best friend's mom true story players don't follow what i did i got drug off the field by my own coach Will the Republic have a bigger fan base than the Sacramento Kings in five years? Absolutely. Most awkward exchange you've had with another coach? Oof. Most awkward exchange I've had with another coach. Uh, I called a guy a Muppet because he was being a clown and yelling at the referee. 
and my wife was behind me and the guy thought that I had dropped an MF on him. Um, oh, excuse me. I've got a, I've got a visitor. Sorry. All right. Love you. Uh, he thought I called him an MFer. And my wife said, that's why he's so angry because he was telling the referee I was Christian. I said, dude, I called you a Muppet. Just leave me alone. Worry about your own team. So. Mm. Uh, which is better, uh, the Surf Cup or the Dallas Cup? Uh, I've never been a Dallas Cup. So I can't, I can't, I don't really have an opinion there. I would say um, if I had to choose San Diego or Dallas, I'm going San Diego all day. Who is the one player you coached who could have done more with their ability? Oh, wow. This could be the one I pass on. Um, uh, there's a goalkeeper at, at Sonoma State. His name was Brooke Johnson. Uh, and he had some chances to play professionally. Um, but ultimately, kind of like my story, it just didn't work out. And now he is a um, cop in Oregon. What would be a more exhilarating moment, a game-winning goal or a penalty stop to preserve a draw? I mean, draw is like kissing your sister, right? That's what my dad told me growing up. I think I'm going to have to go with game-winning goal. If you could pick uh, four players, past or present, anywhere in the world, to build your team around, uh, who would you pick? Uh, I'll throw this one to you, John. Edwin Vandersar in goal. Uh, Dennis Bergkamp up top, Paolo Maldini at center back, and Messi in the center of the park. I could see, I could see that. I could see that. Bergkamp was different. He was more of a midfielder, in my opinion, though, in the way he was able to track back and, and play balls through. Uh, yeah, I could, I could see that. All right. <laughs> the Dutch influence. I've been around the Dutch for too long. Hey, man, the, the Dutch influence is great. Then I'm disappointed you did not mention the greatest Dutch midfielder of all time, Edgar Ovids. Yeah, but I mean, he's still probably out juggling somewhere. He's got his glasses on, you know, I mean, who knows? Although he's, he's, uh, he, he was quality. He was quality. I loved Edgar Ovids. You're still looking forward to that answer. Huh? Well, someone oh, eventually someday. is going to say it after hearing someday. this. <laughs> someday. Good yeah, you, you're going to have to find somebody that's my generation for sure. Because yeah. there's no youngsters that probably know who Edgar Ovids is unless, they unless they've seen some old Nike commercials. I'm gonna have to start posting those on uh, on our YouTube, <laughs> just or on our YouTube and Twitter to get it get it going. It's funny, John. Post one over there. I actually know him because of FIFA. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have known who he was. Who Edgar Davids? Yeah, he was in FIFA, and so that that's wow. how I learned more about him. Man, I'm disappointed in you right now. <laughs> that was my guy. My quality. All right, Matt, you made it through the rapid fire segment without passing one. So good for you. Yes, yeah, good that, answers. <laughs> um, now it's time for that last call. My last call question is what does community mean to you, Matt? For me, I think community is obviously uh, it's a group of people with a common, common love for something, common goal, um, something that ties them all together. And, you know, that doesn't have to be, I mean, obviously we could go with football, could be, could be church, could be your, where you live. It could be the people you identify with. Um, I think right now we've got a lot of divided communities, unfortunately, right. in this crazy current, <laughs> current setup. So, so Matt, um, how can people uh, keep up with what you've got going on? Uh, social media. I mean, the club, uh, San Juan underscore SC, I think. Um, off the line GK for the goalkeeper Academy, which is 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, off the line, gk.com is the website where we I generally keep it fairly up to date. Um, I have my own Twitter, but I don't even know what it is. I'd have to look. Um, but I, I use just to go follow coaching stuff, coaching stuff and news. Um, every once in a while, I'll post stuff there. If there's any coaches that are on here, I actually have a Facebook group that we created. Um, Carlos Menjavar, who's a coach in the Bay Area, who's from Vallejo, uh, an El Salvadorian guy that I grew up playing against. We created a group called um, Learning From Each Other, I think it's called, on Facebook. If you find me on Facebook, I can add you to it. But it, we share a bunch of, there's probably 400 coaches in there that share articles and stories and um, training sessions. That's how it started because we were sending them around on online and anybody can jump into it if they want to if they want to add um you know that's uh that's most of it uh john i didn't send you an invite to our luchi gonzalez talk on monday i apologize um it was awesome if i get permission from luchi because he had to go back to fc dallas and ask if i get permission from uh from him to share i'll send it to you but yeah, we put be- all we've put all of those videos that we've done at san juan on our YouTube with the exception of the other one that I sent you who asked us not to put it up publicly. That's fine. Um, but yeah, anybody wants to go find that we've had interviews with, uh, with coaches and players, Janine Becky from Man City, um, Brooks Lennon, who's at Atlanta United, Adam John at Atlanta United. Um, and all those are up there for anybody. And there's some really good stories along that go along with that because they're um, inspirational people who've been through a lot. Well, Lucci, Lucci would be be somebody that I'd, I'd definitely want to listen to. I think he's got a lot of insight, especially coaching youth and having the development behind him. Oh, oh man. That's a, that, that'd yeah. be no, worth the awesome. price of it. And then we, yeah, no, it's all good. And then this Monday, Paul Holliker, who's at Houston Dynamo, um, we'll have on. And then for you guys that are Mexico fans, we have the uh, goalkeeper coach for the Mexican first division, or first division, for the Mexican uh, national team, Gustavo Pinero, who's at Argentino. Uh, I met him in 2016 when I was down there on a trip. And so I reached out to him to come on to talk to our coaches. So if you guys want to jump on, because he's going to do it in Spanish and have a translator, but he's going to do it uh, not this coming Monday, the next Monday, I think the 25th. So yeah, they just, San Juan coaches. we do, uh, these guys do a local Sacktown uh, Emekis podcast. And they okay. just had Tepa, they just had Tepa on a couple of days ago. So awesome. They're reaching out yeah. and getting into that community because that, that community needs some – they have a, a thirst for soccer and they just don't really get it in the area. Yeah. So these no, two guys 100%. these two guys are doing big things for that. Yeah, if you guys – like I said, if you guys want to jump in on the Goose on the Goose Pinero one, you should. I mean, it's going to be about goalkeeping, but he's worked with Tata Martino everywhere he's been. So that's – I met him when he was working for him at Argentina. It just happened. I was there with ID2 with the U.S. club. And uh, he knew the guy, one of the guys we were with and gave us a tour of the Federation headquarters. And we got to go into Messi's room and see their booth and just got the whole tour, which uh, apparently my Argentinian friends said that doesn't happen for a bunch of gringos. So we got to go in. Uh, and so I've just been, I've stayed in touch with them. So I just sent a message that, hey, would you come on and talk to our coaches about how you guys work and how you work with the national team? He said, sure. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and hopefully it'll be cool. He's a good dude. He's a really nice guy. So should be great so matt you know we want to thank you for taking the time to join us tonight and you know we really appreciate this opportunity you've uh, given us and hope to do it again here soon hopefully once uh, soccer comes back yeah anytime i'm happy to do it i appreciate you guys doing this and obviously there's a lot of people out there who are either from sacramento or who are here that i think people would love to hear from and see what they're up to and you know what uh what's going on in sacktown so much appreciated
if you have anybody you, you have in mind, man, just like what Abby did with you, throw them our way. We'll, we'll be more than happy to get them on, ha- hear their story, talk to them about community and, and get the word out. That's, that's pretty much what we're about now is soccer and community. You know, what, yeah. you know, you said it was, Absolutely. I didn't know we were going deep, but that's kind of the idea of what we're trying to do. Cause soccer promotes community. We, we want to promote that as well. I mean, we have the storm now and, and street soccer. So whatever we can do to support you guys, the club, uh, yeah. we're definitely, we're definitely invested in it. So let us know what we can do to support you guys. If you need, you know, if you want to do a live stream and you need commentary or play by play guys, we're right here. <laughs> uh, we'll come out Love and set it. it up. Well, that, that may be coming sooner or later. If we're, if we're allowed to play football and we don't have spectators, we're going to have to show the parents video of it somehow. So whatever cool. that looks like, man, we're, we're going to do so. Uh, yeah, it's not, man. sit in their cars and we live stream it. We don't care at this point. So, well, whatever we can do to support you guys and help out with that, man, we'll, we'll definitely make it happen. Awesome. All right, fellas. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Have a good rest of the night, dude. All right, dude. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Today's guest was brought to you by the Makuni Dreamline. Makuni Midtown is open, but if you can't get there, it's still easy to get your favorite dishes using the Makuni app. Please make sure you pre-order, and when you arrive, they will deliver your meal to you in your car. Visit them today at makunisushi.com or download their app available in the App Store or Google Play. Make sure you guys are following us on social media, on our Facebook group, Sacramento Soccer Fans. Um, That is where we talk about anything related to your favorite football team. Um, Could be Sacramento, could be Cruz Azul, it could be anyone you want to talk about. We just go on there and have some fun. Um, Also, our other Facebook page, Sacktown FC Podcast. Um, that was all news related to our podcast, new episodes, upcoming episodes, all that good stuff. You can also find us on Twitter and IG at Sacktown FC. And you can. Whoa, slow your roll. Calm down. Step back. I got this. You guys can't forget about our amazing partners, the California storm. Um, you know, we, 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 have these amazing groups of, of people who support our program and also our partners. So we want to make sure we acknowledge them as well. So you can find out more about the California storm at calstormsoccer.com. You can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at calstormsoccer, And even on the wonderful world of Facebook, you can't see a face on the book, but it's called Facebook California storm. So make sure you give them a follow, give them a listen Pay attention to what's going on. There's a lot of news about to come out regarding the season that may or may not potentially happen. Uh, We've seen a lot of rumors about the CCAA, uh, you know, essentially saying no soccer this fall. So what does that have to do with California Storm? Make sure you stay tuned. Also, for all you gamers out there, uh, we're in a couple of different platforms. You can find us on Twitch under FC, Also, Xbox. Our gamer tag is Sacktown FC. I'm the one that plays in the uh, gamer tag, and I'm usually playing FIFA 20, and can't believe it still, but I'm actually playing uh, Fortnite every now and then. I gotta blame the quarantine life because otherwise, I would definitely not be playing that. Um, you can also find us on PlayStation. That's under under uh, Sacktown underscore FC. That's managed uh, by John. So if you guys want to play against us on FIFA, we are always up for the challenge. Uh, you can also find us on our website, sacktownfc.com, where you can find all of our episodes. You can find episodes for our Liga Mekis podcast, the Sacktown Mekis. You can also learn more about the Squadron, which is our form of supporters group. 
You can check out all of our amazing perks that we have to offer there. And you can also find uh, Seth's Soccer Pulse column where he writes about all things soccer related. So please check that out. Also, if you want to contact us, you can also contact us on there. Uh, send us a message if you have any feedback on our show. If you have any questions to ask us, please, you know, feel free to fill out the contact form right there. That is all we have for today's episode. Uh, we want to thank Matt for taking the time to join us today. And to you always, and remember to have your notifications on as we know you don't want to miss any of our new episodes from uh, Sacktown FC, also from Sacktown MX. And make sure you subscribe and give us some positive comments. Uh, let us know what we're doing right, what we're, we can work on. And check out also our episodes at sacktownfc.com. Thank you, guys, and have a good day. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Cheers, everyone. Have a good day.